What a moment. What a moment for Taylor Davis. First major league home run. Show and go on the final day of February. We've got ball to talk about, baby. Jack, Taylor, we've watched, I think, three days of spring training baseball at this point now. If you count the Red Sox and Northeastern University, four. Uh, But we can talk about ball a little bit. Manny Machado signed a $350 million extension after he said, hard and fast, I'm going to opt out when the year is over. So I want to talk about you know, how that language can progress. Also, everybody only wants to talk about the rules right now. So I think we can talk about the rules for, for 10, 15 minutes or so. I know we've already kind of done it. Um, Taylor, how beautiful is it to have baseball back in our lives? And, and this is probably a unique situation for you not being at one of these complexes for this. Yeah, first time in a long time, man. It's, uh, it's a very odd situation. But uh, yeah, it's great to watch baseball, man. I, you know, sucks I'm not there, but I love watching baseball. So happy it's back. Um, seeing those guys out in the sun running around, man, it's fun. It's, it's always fun seeing the three inning stints from the superstars. Uh, I've always thought that was a, such a funny aspect to this, but um, no, man, it's great. Then some good baseball already. I mean, we've seen some good baseball already. We've seen some crazy stuff already. You know, I think between the college season and the pro season, like these rules have come like first, like right in front of us. Yeah. And we can jump in with that. But, you know, my my favorite thing about spring training ball now, and I was talking about this on the Just Baseball show, is like, you know, and we've talked about going to spring training growing up, right? You being in Florida, you would go to Grapefruit League games. I would go to Cactus League games with my my dad. Like he made that a concerted effort to get out there um, almost every spring and go see some Cubs and White Sox spring training. And, you know, we, when I was growing up, the number 87s on the field in like inning six, inning seven, they yeah. didn't matter to me because they didn't matter to anybody else. And, you know, y- y- you even listen to the radio broadcast and the TV broadcast, and they're like shuffling through their notes, trying to find out who this guy is. When in reality, they're like the number five prospect in the system. And, and now that I'm following baseball as closely that I am, and, and I'm fortunate enough to get to work in it. It's so much fun to watch late inning spring training ball, because these guys are getting an opportunity that I'm not sure they really expect to get again like it it is a fight you have to scratch and claw to get those seventh inning at bats in spring training for some of these guys that are trying to make these big league rosters but also you get a glimpse at at the future man like you get to watch yuri perez throw an inning in the fourth which is so damn cool like did you realize or what age did it really click for you that those guys actually had some some serious baseball intrigue there uh, you know, I mean, I was, I was one of those guys for a really long time, um, you know, like going over and I remember, you know, now when you go over, you get a number and, and they write it down early so they can send it off to the announcers and let everybody know. I specifically remember there was one Cardinals game, like probably 10 years ago now that they didn't have the name, the TV didn't have the name and they put like, uh, unknown run, unknown person, unknown player on the, you know, whatever. But no, I was actually going to say like one cool part about these three inning stints of the big leaguers is that you get extended looks at young talented guys like uh you know i'm sure like this year probably won't be crazy but next year jackson holiday in baltimore is going to get a lot of innings i'd say so he just got that bad he doubled as a 19 year old he doubles right i mean and kerstad getting two homers right like you're getting these guys that that haven't had much experience at the upper levels that are getting to play uh, significant innings it's kind of like when 
you know, big D1 schools in basketball are, are winning by 30 and you get the B squad in. Typically, those guys play harder. Um, they know there's something to prove. Um, they want to come back. So finding that, you know, I think that you realize that, like, you realize early that, you know, the guys, look, like, I've, and we've talked about this a lot, but the talent's so relative, like, the talent's so close for the for most guys, right? Most guys aren't O'Neal Cruz, but most guys are are very similar talent, similarly talented uh, with, with different career paths. And so I learned early on that a lot of those guys were really talented players and, um, it was never a it was never a time to turn off the game. And a lot of those guys, like it's fun to win for the, you know, for us, when we came in the game, it was fun to win. The guys that start, they don't care. They're leaving in the fourth anyway. Right. For us, it was fun. We were going to have to be out there till the ninth. So you might as well win. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. You're wearing a, a big red machine shirt. Right. And I'm, oh, yeah. I'm thinking my about that's my dad grew up in Cincinnati. So he was a, that was it, man. There we go. So I'm sure you're keeping tabs in like Ellie De La Cruz. He's he's in the lineup. You know, he's been like starting games. But how about McLean hitting a walk-off home run in spring training? And he's not mobbed at the plate. Like, it doesn't really matter. But you know what? Matt McLean hitting a walk-off homer, certainly something exciting for Reds fans. Will Benson has had a really great start to spring training for the Reds. So that's something that the, the fans of the Cincinnati Reds can really buy into. I think spring training is a perfect time for teams that won't necessarily be competitive at the top of major league baseball to like get excited, get invested. And also like winter's just really freaking long. It's, it's kind of nice to like turn it's on the TV. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. Um, no, but like all anybody wants to talk about is, is the clock right now. You experienced the clock for a full 150 last year. Um, I experienced it right along there with you from, you know, just quickening the pace of like trying to describe what you guys were doing. But I, I think the the reaction to uh, that Red Sox game where you had the automatic strike three call in the bottom of the ninth was was crazy, crazy overblown. So I ask you, did you or anybody, you know, experience that in a regular season game? Yes or no. Experience what? experience the end of a game being a pitch clock violation i don't think the end of a game but like i had a guy that struck out twice in one game you yeah. were there for a guy that struck out twice in one game on the clock and like you know i like the kid but like a little bit of that is like hey man you know it's there like i think that's gonna be a big thing for a lot of these guys some of these guys just haven't had to deal with that they haven't had to deal with the fact that it's there so uh, you know what i loved i loved listening to Max Scherzer talk about calling his own pitches and how he looked Narvaez and he said it in the I I thought it was the perfect way to go about it because somebody asked him and he was like yeah Narvaez is calling the game if I really wanted to throw something somewhere I or I knew what side of the plate I wanted to go to I put it so we could work quicker like that's what you don't expect you don't expect Max Scherzer to do it you expect the young guys you expect Brett Beatty to be ready to hit um the the Manny Machado thing I don't want to say like that was I I, I figured we're going to see a few of those not from yeah. Manny Machado but from veteran hitters like you're going to see the history of the game guys that were older got a longer time to step in the box it's just how it was you go watch video like there was a video circulating about uh, the old video of Scherzer again facing um, Odubel Herrera when yeah. he was taking a long time to step in the box and Scherzer didn't appreciate the fact that he was because at that point. Herrera wasn't a veteran. He had been there maybe a year or two, and like he that that was not his place to do that. He felt. Um, I, I think that it's you know guys are gonna guys are gonna figure it out. I'll tell you this: the first year of the first pitch clock, 
I was in Nashville. I don't know if it was, it might've been even like the first day it got implemented and I was facing Barry Zito and Barry Zito walked me on the pitch clock. So, Hmm. you know, and it was funny because Barry was at the end of his career and I've heard nothing but good things about Barry Zito and he just kind of laughed it off and it was no big deal. But uh, that was kind of a fun moment for me. I think it's going to be better. I I really do. I think it's going to be better for the, for the, for the fans. Like, it's it's going to be weird for players initially, but you know we got used to it for the most part. It's a little quick, and I think it could get adjusted. The only other thing I'll say is just making sure that the right people are running the clock. I think you run into these instances where not necessarily that they're trying to um, you know help one team or the other, but it just happens. You know, like guys are forgetting on certain occasions to start it or stop it, and um, that can really affect. As we see now, that can really affect the game. Yeah, uh, 100%. And I'm with you on the Scherzer thing. I was going to bring up the Scherzer thing, too, because that is a guy that instead of bitching about it, instead of saying like, hey, you know, I've spent the last 20 years of my baseball existence not working with this. Now you're going to make me adapt to the end of my career. He's saying, wow, this presents a great opportunity for me to pounce and take advantage. I think good pitchers benefit the most from the pitch clock because there's no time for the hitter to try and break the pace. It's like icing a kicker by calling time. There's no opportunity to ice the kicker. It's just get it and go when you're in a groove. I I got a couple things for you there. First, one thing I've always said, and I think Scherzer bought right into this is like, I talk to kids and, you know, I'm like right now I'm giving lessons to kids in, in high school and middle school and elementary school. And I, you know, the middle school kids recently, I've been asking them like, Hey, like, are you excited? Like a couple eighth graders, you excited to go to high school next year? And most of them are like, no, like, I don't want to do that. I'm, you know, I'm whatever. And it's like, you know, the, the, the advice I have for them is like, look, man, you're going to do it. So you have two choice. You have two options here. Either be mad about it, be angry about it and, and be anxious about it or accept it and figure out how to make it better. And I think that's what Max is doing. He's like, look, this is going to be here maybe just for one year if it doesn't work, but it's going to be here at least for 2022 or 2023. We know that. So there's no point in just sitting and trying to break the system down. Let's figure it out and get better. And like you said, it's it's powerful that it's coming from that guy. That's what I think is is huge is that um, it's coming from him. Now, the other thing I'll tell you is I remember like one of the mental skills guys um, I heard. I don't remember who told me this, but it was like the best players in baseball don't hold their focus the longest. The best players in baseball have the ability to unfocus and refocus quicker than the next. So, like, Mike Trout isn't focused for three hours. But after he takes a pitch and he steps out, he has the ability to get back to that mental point quicker than the guy next to him. So I think, you know, good pitchers, I don't. it's not going to affect good hitters either. And so, you know, it's going to affect the mentally weak is what it's going to do. Wow. Now, I will tell you the funniest one, the funniest one that I've seen was um, – it's I don't know if it was like real or not, but it said they thought this was potentially the video that that is caused the pitch clock. I don't know if you've seen this, but was it was it the, was it the uh, NL NLDS or NLCS? Was it Pedro Baez throwing to David Ross? And did you see what they were doing in the bottom or like yeah. in the it was how many times can Jose Altuve hit an inside the park homer before he throws one pitch? It was it was seven or eight, right? It was crazy. It was honestly, I turned it off after three and it was half the video was left. So, um, you know, and now Pedro Baez was, I will tell you this, I would go to say that Pedro Baez probably does have a, a point. People do have a point in thinking he does because he 
he averaged almost 45 seconds, I believe, to a minute between pitches. That's not okay. I, I don't care. No. You know, I don't think he was trying to show anybody up, but that's not okay. That That's not good for the game. So the other one that was kind of going viral was Karen Chak getting the ball back and, and the pitch clock violation. And Karen Chak, he, so here's the thing. Yes, the pitch clock should reset when he asked for a new baseball. So he should have had time. That shouldn't have been a pitch clock violation. But the James Karen Chak between pitch routine is exactly what we need to get rid of, baby. Going totally. wild thing and fidgeting and throwing the ball up in the air and and throwing it into your glove five times before throwing a pitch. Tell you what, um, and, and I don't mean to like throw all these guys in a big bucket, but the Reds, Kyle Bodie at driveline was the minor league pitching coordinator for the Reds for a little bit. And, and he grabbed a bunch of driveline darlings, right? A bunch of like slider spinner darlings. And so much of what driveline preaches is spin the shit out of your pitches, throw it as hard as you can. If it's a fastball, you know, spin it as hard as you can. If it's a slider, these guys do have to like physically get prepped to do that. I don't, oh. I don't doubt that at all, but they had a couple guys in like high a that were taking 40 to 45 seconds between pitches just to get emotionally ready to throw the crap out of a fastball or a slider. And that was the most frustrating thing ever. So eliminating the Karen Jack or the Bobby Jenks, take off the hat, wipe the sweat, all that stuff, eliminating that between pitches is going to be so, so massive for the baseball fan. Um, I don't think it's going to diminish the in-ballpark experience for the fan. I think that they're going to love it because it keeps you on your toes. It sure as hell keeps defenses on their toes. And I think if you're sitting down to watch a ball game, it's going to be a much easier watch. Absolutely. It's no doubt. Like, even if it doesn't shorten the game, it's going to make and the it game does. more. it does. That's the thing. It does. And it, it, it will. But, like, the reality for me is the baseball fans didn't need – a shorter game. I think that was a relative myth. Like one thing I've heard and I I like this was like you don't sign up for a baseball game expecting it to be a two. You know, you're going it's a it's a half a day event. Whether it's 3 hours and 30 minutes or whether it's 3 hours and 6 minutes isn't going to change your opinion on if you go or not. But I think that all the downtime does change your opinion. And like there was some stats last year talking about how football, how there's like, you know, what, 18 minutes of, of actual play in football or something. But like we understand why that is in baseball for the most part, man, if we could cut down the downtime, we could create more enjoyment for the fans. There's more action. The other thing I'll bring up is, and, and this is a little off topic, but like it might've been Ken Rosenthal, somebody, but they were talking about, you know, how they thought baseball was trying to bring power back. And clearly power has come back, right? Like yeah. guys are hitting more homers. But they were like, you know what? Home runs are boring. Home runs are a five-second fun part followed by 15 seconds around the bases, followed by 30 seconds till the guy gets up to the plate. The fans want three singles that score a run. Like that's what drives fan interaction. That's what drives enjoyment is action. So this is going to create more of that. You're going to get rid of, obviously, the Karen checks doing that. Um, now, you know, like in AAA with us, it was what? Like if you threw the ball away before nine seconds or something, you got the clock reset. So, like, let's do that. I, I'm a, I'm in on that. I don't think you should be able to do it every time. And I also think if the hitter's only going to be able to call able to call timeout once, you should only be able to throw the ball away twice. I don't, you know, something. There yeah. should be some yeah. similar thing there. But you're also going to lose – uh, like we've seen Manny Machado taking his time, go to the plate. Uh, you're going to lose those, the, the guys that, 
you know, sat in the on deck box until the last guy was out and took his time. You know, we're going to, you're going to lose all of that. It's going to be better. I, I think it'll be okay. I, I think it'll be good for the game. I, I think so too, man. And you experienced it. And I thought that it was a pretty good product that, that we saw last year. And like, I heard some pushback from hitters, never pitchers early in the year. But after that, I, I think a lot of the hitter disdain for it went away. And I do think that it benefits pitchers more so than hitters. If you're just like trying to find the average hitter, the average pitcher. Um, it was funny. I had Kanan Smith and Jigba and Cal Mitchell right next to each other in the cage. And you know how those two work off of each other. So I, I just asked him, I was like, pitch clock, yay or nay. And Kanan was like, yay. And Cal walks over and he was like, nay, absolutely not. And and they got into a conversation and I like didn't say a word for like 10 minutes during BP because they were just going back and forth. But, you know, you can see that there was disagreement there. And I think they both kind of came around and were pro pitch clock at the end. Um, Gary Cohen, the TV guy for the Mets, I think said it really, really well. He said, this is not taking away baseball time. This is taking away non-baseball time. Yeah. Totally. And, and I think that I think that at the time when you talk to those two, those were two different mindsets, right? Kanan was, all right, forget it. I'll move forward right now. And Cal is a much more uh, sophisticated thinker. Not that, that Kanan isn't smart, but there was a lot more thinking there, right? So Cal wanted that time to think pre-pitch. He wanted those in-between pitches to, to think before the bat-bat. Kanan was like, oh, man, let me get up there and hit the ball as hard as I can. And so by the end of the year, one of the th- like. And I tried to preach this to the guys. Like I started this podcast talking about the you got two options. Same thing. I told like, look, you guys got two options. So either either figure it out or go all year complaining about it and, and get hurt by it. And I think a lot of guys figured it out. Now, you know, a lot of these big league guys haven't had the opportunity really to see this. They're going to get a couple at bats, a couple outings in spring. So I don't know how fair that is. I don't know how else you could do it. To be honest with you. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't think it's bad. And like I said, it's just taking away downtime. I, I, guys are going to get react to it. The the only thing that might need to change is some of the timing. Like we might need to add a few more seconds here and there, uh, go from fifteen to twenty or twenty to thirty at certain instances. I I I remember us having that conversation in the dugout last year. Like, hey, we really don't mind it except for you know this instance X when we really felt like we could use five more seconds or something like that. No, so, I mean, ninth inning, if you want to turn the clock off, I'm cool with that. So Bednar, when Bednar rehabbed, he talked about that. He goes, so you're going to you're gonna tell me that when it's 3-2 in the bottom of the ninth and I got a guy on second and I got to think a little bit extra about a pitch, you're going to call me for a pitch clock violation? And I, I thought about it and I was like, no, like that doesn't seem fair. But at the same token, like I don't know that I can ask you to do it and then tell Max Scherzer he's got to do it. Yeah, I, right. I, I don't know that it's, you know, and now that we're seeing the game and how the game is is being viewed analytically, we now know that the ninth inning isn't always the most important time. So we're going to tell Josh Hader when he's throwing in the sixth that he has to use it in the highest leverage spot of the game. But that, uh, you know, somebody else, Devin Williams, when he throws the ninth, doesn't have to use it. I, I don't I don't know that I see that working just for that factor. How about you can subscribe to MLB's Patreon? If you are a Patreon subscriber, you get five more seconds, right? Like if you if you as a player give like a hundred bucks a month to Major League Baseball, like you can almost buy a subscription to five more seconds of the buy, you can buy. Guys are going to start playing for free. I'm in. Yeah, why not? If they feel like that's their best, like donate to the charity of your choice. Show us the proof of donation to the charity of your choice, and we'll give you an extra second. 
Exactly. Like a doctor's note. Um, all right. Speaking of Kanan Smith and Jig with Cal Mitchell, the Pirates, really interesting tweet from the Action Network. Um, MLB win total bet that has drawn the most action at Caesars Sportsbook is the Pittsburgh Pirates over. So 94% of the tickets and 99.5% of the money that has been thrown at the Pittsburgh Pirates win total is on the over. So them to surpass their win total, which I think is right under 70 wins, and I'll find it for sure after this, more than that win total is the most often placed bet in Major League Baseball right now. We were talking about this, man. I mean, we've been lucky to see it in Indy. We know how good the talent was in Altoona last year. The Pirates are young, they're exciting, and I think they've got some depth here to be better than a high 60s win team. Yeah, you're going to get, I mean, you're going to get a full year of Rowanzi Contreras. You're going to get a full year of a revamped Mitch Keller. You're going to get a full year of O'Neill Cruz. You're going to get a full year. Honestly, I'm a big G-Man Choi guy. I think he's a, I think that was a very low key pickup. I think that guy's a really good player. Um, You're going to get, you know, parts of years from some really talented prospects, most likely in G1 Bay and Indy Rodriguez. You're going to see some cameos probably from uh, Ortiz and, um, you know, you have obviously the star in Brian and Ryan Reynolds. Like this is a team that's not terrible. This is a team that's not, you know, I don't think they're out of the rebuild, but they are definitely not in the midst of it. Right. Like they're going to be good. They're going to be okay. They're going to compete. Um, you know, the interesting thing, like, I'll be interested to see, they have so many starting pitchers in camp. Like, well, what are they going to do with the starting pitchers? Cause you have so many. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And, and I do want to go. By that, real quick, I am finding uh, the Pirates 68 and a half is the win total. Yeah, I mean, I, they're good. I, that's basically saying they're not going to lose 100 games, and I don't think they're going to lose 100 games. Yeah. So as it stands right now, opening day five in the rotation for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Give me a rundown of who you think it is while I pull up uh, the depth okay. chart on fan graphs. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Mitch Keller. Yeah. By the way, I remember the name we forgot. Mitch Keller, Rowanzi, Rich Hill, yes. Vince Velasquez, and Oviedo. You have Oviedo. Okay. You have Brubaker in there also. My thought is, are you either? I feel like you're either gonna throw Brubaker in a trade right now. You're gonna try to move Brubaker, or you're going. You're gonna do one of three things in my mind. You're gonna move Brubaker. You're gonna option Oviedo or send him to the bullpen or you're going to send Vince Velasquez to the bullpen. I can't see you sending Vince Velasquez to the bullpen since you just paid him. Yeah. So Keller, Rowanzi, Hill, Brubaker, Velasquez, you like Oviedo. The the depth there is Oviedo, Luis Ortiz, and then you've got Mike Burrows, Quinn Priester, and, and however you want to go about Kyle Nicholas, Cody Bolton, uh, and Asfaldo Beto, guys Bolton. like that. Talking about We're talking about Cody Bolton too, man. That guy, that guy's as good as any pitcher in that system. Uh, you know, I'll tell you that guy. It, when he's on the field, it is it is good stuff, good command. It's at you. It's downhill. I really, really like this stuff there. Um, I want to see him stay on the mound. I want to see him keep pitching. And he's a guy. I don't know that he necessarily is a six inning your traditional six inning starter, but he is one heck of an opener. He's one heck of a hey like. Let's throw him for four. Let's have him be the bulk guy today. Like his stuff is so good that 
I mix him behind a Rich Hill. I throw him and Rich Hill for eight innings that day, and then I come with David Bednar. Man, yeah. there's so, there's some interesting ways you can you can throw him. I think Burroughs is a very similar thing. <clears throat> like you have some options with those guys that, depending on and let you know, we just talked about the starters, but like there's some big arms in that bullpen too. So yeah. like uh, there there's going to be some interesting you know the the usage will be interesting. I'll be I'll be interested to see if it's more true starters or more you know throw these guys for four, throw this guy for three, let's get through two in the back end. That's what they wanted to do. And the Pirates for a a really, really long time um, at the beginning of the 2022 season, it was throw their starters for four innings. Like they didn't have a starting pitcher win a game for a couple of months, I think. I think it might have been two months without a starting pitcher win. So a guy like Burroughs already kind of fit that mold because Burroughs was going four, he would start the fifth, and then you could see him kind of sputter off. I feel like especially with young pitchers, that might be the way to go. And you mentioned the depth in that bullpen. Like Chase DeYoung all of a sudden went from starter to really good middle relief option. They pick I mean, up Harleen Garcia. They've got Yeri De Los Santos coming back. Robert Stevenson. There's so many names aside from Bednar and Will Crow and Dwayne Underwood here. And you didn't even mention the 99-mile-an-hour two-seamer in Colin Holderman. So you've got, like, there. there's big arms. Now, here's the only thing, like, the only, like, I guess you could say flaw is that they're a bunch of really hard throwers outside of DeYoung, right? Like, it's a bunch of we're coming at you, but, like, that is bullpens now, right? Like, that's that's everybody. Um, there's a lot of different angles there. There's, you know, there's a lot of stuff. There's some sinkers in there. There's some four-seamers in there. There's some two-seamers that aren't sinkers in there. Yeah. Um, there's some really good pitches in there, man, that – the, the pitching staff has a chance to be really, really talented. And like you said, I, I think Chase DeYoung last year like was elite. I, I think he was one of the more underrated arms in the National League Central for sure, the National League Central, maybe the National League. Um, yeah. So, you know, and then they did they did they figure out Robert Stevenson, who at one point was a massive prospect for the Cincinnati Reds and held that prospect status for a long time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there there's there you got that mix of like, big names that we're trying to revamp mixed with big names that have been big names mixed with guys that have kind of come out of nowhere. And, and it's a, it's a cool thing to see. It's a good group of guys. And uh, I think, you know, what the, from what I saw last year, like all those dudes bought into that philosophy. Like we want to win. We just want to throw and we throw, like, we don't care. None of those guys down there had that ego. Like, man, I have to throw the ninth. Everybody knew that David Bednar was getting ninth. It was no right. question. Right. right. And nobody had an issue with that. Cause he's really good. And he was um, the all-star. Right. And the way baseball is now, like it doesn't like we've talked about, if you're not closing games, it doesn't matter when you pitch. It's just the reality of being a reliever. So, yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be a wild. It'll it'll be interesting to see for sure. Last thing on the Pirates. Last time through the rotation, assuming full health, what does that rotation look like the last week of the year? I think it looks far different. Um I think I like I said I think you've probably got, um, you know, Brew Baker's been the most oft mentioned name getting moved. Yeah, I think you're moving somebody. I think it'll either be him or Mitch. Um, so Mitch feels like he could get moved, but he also feels like the Pirates may be willing to hold on to him and like continue to see him develop because he added a sinker, he added a cutter last year, and he had relatively speaking, a great second half. 
Um, Did Rich Hill feel like a flip piece? Did Velasquez feel like a flip piece where it's almost the Quintana thing? They saw how well that worked for them there that they might have just grabbed these guys in hopes of being deadline bait. Maybe for, I would say, like looking from the outside in, more so uh, Velasquez than Rich Hill. I think, and the only reason being, like, I think Rich Hill is just such a good guy to have in that clubhouse for those young starters that I almost, it would be more valuable to me to let him, he's won, he's a winner. On top of that, he's pitched for 19 years. So, like, let's let him stay and try to really work with some of these arms. I think that could be less of a flip piece. I think if Velasquez has a really good first half, yeah, he's gone. I think if, I think then... You know, and the question, how much time does Mitch Keller have? Three plus? Yeah, three years, 26 days. Wow, that's a great guess. I honestly, I was just totally. That was awesome, man. <laughs> um, So, you know, you've got, you've got another, after this year, he'll have four and then five. So, like, you're going to have multiple years of control of Mitch Keller. So, I'm going to probably say this. You're going to make a decision on Mitch Keller at this point, whether you want to extend him or whether you want to move him. And I think you decide. I think his second half uh, earned him the opportunity to be extended again. Like, I remember early in his career, he's always been Pittsburgh's, like, golden boy, right? Like, he was the high pick. Um, He was really talented in the minor leagues. He was a top 100 guy. And I think that he's a guy that, like, if he can stick, it's a great guy to have in Pittsburgh. It's somebody that Pittsburgh's followed, get there. It's always good to have those guys stay. So, like, I I think that's probably more of a mainstay so i'd say velasquez could get bumped and then i'm gonna say brew baker probably gets moved because he has more time right he has four plus or five plus yeah. so um at the end of the year let's go actually let's go. hey brew baker has three he only has three so they both have three yeah they both have three yeah then you're battling and, and honestly like if i'm buying one of the two the stuff probably grades out better for mitch so like yeah. i'm gonna probably probably buy him so if I'm the Pirates at the end of the year, it's probably Roanzi, Mitch Keller, um, let's go Rich Hill, uh, Ortiz, and then maybe like a flex of uh, Oviedo, Mike Burrows, Cody Bolton, maybe like two of those three throw every fifth day. So you think Priester spends the entire year in triple? I don't know that he spends the whole year in triple A, but I don't know that he's – I mean, I guess, like, I could see him being in the rotation at the very end. But at the same token, like, if those three guys throw how they should, if Bolton, Oviedo, and and Burroughs throw how they should, I don't know that you need to take them out of the rotation. I yeah. think all three of those guys could be quality starters or at least eat quality innings. You um, caught Oviedo for, for a good bit after the trade, after the Quintana trade, and that was a guy that was successful as a reliever, not successful as a starter in St. Louis. What did you gather from catching Johan Oviedo that makes you think that he can be a good starting pitcher? Uh, he's a he's a big dude, strong guy. I think he can last throughout a season. Um, it's a big fastball. I think the stuff plays. He's coming at you for the most <clears> part. <throat> he's throwing strikes. Um, I, I just I, I think he's a I think he's you know he's a he's a good pitcher. He's a really good pitcher. He's kind of got like a little bit of everything. There's nothing I want to point to that says he's great in this area. Whereas like a, a a Cody Bolton, I'll say, look, his stuff is great. His durability is not. I yeah. think Oviedo is kind of good at a lot. Um, maybe not great at anything where some of those other guys, Mike Burrows is really great with that curveball. 
the fastball plays pretty well. Let's see how it manages over, over six innings. I think Mike Burroughs could be a really talented piece to throw in the back end of that bullpen. He's, yeah. He becomes a two-pitch guy. You let him eat. Um, and like I said, I, I think that now if we're saying that, let's, let's okay, let's say that. Let's say we throw Burroughs in the pen, and then it's Oviedo and Bolton throwing day five. I'm Man, okay with that. see, I, I really like Burroughs as a pitching prospect. Like, I, I think the way that the the high spin fastball with the ride and the and the hammer of the breaking ball kind of work off each other. And, like, you saw the changeup, I think, get better across the year. Uh, oh, absolutely. I feel absolutely. like he's – I feel like he could be a great starter. He absolutely he, – he could absolutely start. No question. So, this is the same conversation that I had about D.L. Hall, right? Yeah. D.L. Hall, without question, could be a great starter. Yeah. I just think – he is more valuable giving you two really good innings three yeah. days a week. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I can you know see I mean? that with Burroughs. I just think the the volatile command from DL Hall is also kind of what makes us say that subconsciously. Yeah, but he's got volatile command, but when he's on the mound, he's still getting through five innings. So, like, that's not really affecting that so much. The reason people, most people think he's going to be a reliever is because of his, his injury background, right. um, which doesn't help him at all. But, you know, I don't know. There are just some guys that just stick out as guys that you want to face three, four, five in the eighth. And Burroughs is one of those guys to me. I want him to face those guys for me. He's got the stuff to do it. He's got swing and miss stuff. Like, I don't need him to work hitters. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, he very well can go out there and, and pitch for an entire year and be a starter. Absolutely. If I'm building a team, I just think I might want him at the back end. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially like if you run through a stretch of powerful righty bats, the fastball and the curveball working off of each other against righties is can and be lethal. Good, and it's good enough to pitch against lefties also. Like he's good yeah. enough to get lefties out, which is why he's a starter. The yes. one thing that I hate is like, is is this, I, I don't hate it, but like I don't like that there's this stigma behind it being a bad thing that a guy does that, right? Like we're not saying that this guy's going to go throw in a 10 nothing game he's going to go eat innings i'm saying this guy is going to be a big part of our bullpen so like to do that you've got to be just as talented as any starter in baseball and so i i don't think that and i think pitchers get offended by it too like you tell a pitcher he's going to be a reliever and they're like man i can be a starter like i can do that and i understand why like starters get paid more no doubt like i want to be a starter yeah um but you can be just as important to a team as a reliever yes for sure all right last thing we got to hit on is machado who is officially $500 $500 million in the bank from the San Diego Padres. He initially signed a $300 million deal. He pocketed 150 of that. He just signed a $350 million extension. He is, I, I think Trout, Trout's going to get close at the end of that $400 million deal to a $500 million, you know, payout from the LA Angels. But if I'm not mistaken, Machado's the first guy uh, to get $500 million from the same team. I know I, there is for sure one thing that Machado was the first guy to do, and that's signed two $300 million contracts. Wow. Okay. Now, there's been one player that signed two 250. Do you know who that was? Uh, A-Rod. Yeah, A-Rod signed two 250. He's the first guy to sign two $300 million contracts. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Trout should get uh, 500 by the end of it, and then potentially Shohei may get it in one contract. Yeah, um, and, and Soto may get it in one contract with the way the market's going. May I, I don't, I, after, I like I mean, this, like, I like this conversation. Like I like the Soto Machado conversation. I, I, I'm going to visit this 
with you, but why are you pushing back? Because I'll tell you why I push back too. I love Juan Soto. I think that Juan Soto outside of Mike Trout is the best hitter in baseball. I think Aaron Judge is really talented. I think Shohei is the best, most valuable player in the game. But I think that if you're talking about a guy to get $500 million, he cannot have he cannot have what happened to Juan Soto last year. That was a good, that was a great, it was a very, very good year. No doubt. He was an all-star, but it wasn't Mike Trout has been was what for the first like eight years of his career, he was top three in MVP voting. Yeah. Like to do to get 500 million, you've got to be that guy. And he wasn't. And the issue with him not hitting like that was he also had the worst defensive year of his career last year while struggling a little bit offensively. So I just don't see him getting 500. I see him getting 400. I I think the question becomes like, you know, and I I don't know, like there's no way the Padres can sign him now, right? Yeah, so that's a conversation that I just had with Aram on the Just Baseball show. Go ahead and go listen to that. But I want to have that conversation with you as well. And just confirming on Track after Trout's contract is up after the 2030 season, he'll have taken home $480 million in cash from the LA Angels. So he still doesn't have $500 million committed to him like Machado does with the Padres. So if I'm missing anybody else, let me hold know. On, hold on, did, But, yeah. Did... Did Machado make 150? Machado made 150, I do believe. I didn't think he made the I thought he made like a hundred something. I didn't think it was a 150. I'll I'll do the addition right now. Okay. But uh I'm with you. Um I think that the Padres don't re-sign Mat- or uh, Soto. I, I think that allocating the funds to Darvish, Tatis, Musgrove, and now Machado rules them out of another $400 million contract, considering you already have, uh, Arm tweeted this out, I think $33 million on the books for, or no, more than that. Um, here, let me let me find a tweet here. It's something like what the Padres have on the books in 2033 is more than several teams have on the books in 2023. Like that's how long-term they're thinking right now. I'll find that exact number for you. And then I'll find the, uh, the Machado numbers. Yeah. Tell me your Soto thoughts. Give me like your, your Soto conspiracy theory. Now that the Machado extension is, is cut and done. I think that if the Padres are in contention this year, he stays and gets moved next off season. I think if they're not in contention come the deadline, which I can't see them not being in contention, but if they're not in contention at the deadline, I think he gets moved this year. But I think in the off season, you move him, you revamp, you do, you're not. You're clearly not going to revamp that entire farm system to get what you got, but you're going to get a decent return still. You're going to get a full year of of Juan Soto, and and he's still, like I said, I still think he's one of the best players in the game. So you're still going to get a year of a $400 million player. Um, I think that's really where you have to go with it, and you've got to try to find, like if I'm them, you have to try to find one, um, you know, one big big guy to get back, maybe followed by some some projects. The only other question for the the Padres will be the bullpen. You know, you got you're gonna have to figure something out because I don't know. You got to find some now. The bullpen's cheaper, obviously, but right now you've got a high price bullpen in Josh Hader and, and Nick Martinez, and you know you've got a couple of those guys that are signed long term. Uh, what the David Hernandez is that his name? Um, who? The other what's the other who do, who did I miss? The guy that the Padres resigned this year after the big year. He had a went to Japan, Suarez. came back. Robert Suarez. Suarez. Robert Suarez. Robert Suarez. Um, you got him too. So like 
you know, I, there's going to be some question marks at the back end of that bullpen after this year. So go ahead. Yeah. So Machado, $30 million in 2023 would get him to 150 from the Padres. Like prorated, if you eliminate the prorated money in 2020, he was slated to make 30 from them. So that would have been five years at 30. So he would have been at 150 and he added an additional 350 after this season. Is is the trout money taking into account the, uh, is the trout money taking into account the, are they saying he only made X amount in 2020? Good question, Taylor Davis. I will find that. But first, the arm latent tweet. The oh. 2020, the 2033 San Diego Padres already have a payroll around $90 million. Oh, That's higher God. than the 2023 payroll for nine MLB teams. Yeah. Which is which is worse for the nine teams than it is for the the Padres, but correct. In my- correct. Um, in terms of career earnings for Trout, it is taking into account. Yes. So, so Trout would have got to 500. 35.4 minus 13.3. You add 22.1 to 480. Yes, he would have gotten to 500 million from the LA Angels. So, Machado is now a very circuitous route to that, but Machado is now the second guy to take home $500 million from one team. And even then, he's not even going to do it, but he is the only guy in Major League history to this point to sign two $300 million deals. I'm really happy that the Padres decided to do this with Machado because with how talented Juan Soto is, like it feels like it was going to be in in either or situation with how talented Soto is as a hitter, like future Hall of Famer with the bat. Um, He's a liability defensively right now, it seems. Um, And Machado is not only one of the best hitters in baseball, but he's one of the best defensive third basemen in baseball. And he's already kind of, made his way to that leadership role that I think a lot of people were waiting for him to. Because if, if you think of Soto's timeline right now, Machado is still in Baltimore if he's Juan Soto's age. And, and he's still like a rising star in Baltimore if he's Soto's age. Let, let me give you, let, this is like my devil's advocate though, is that I actually, if I'm looking at this from the Padres point of view, I almost would have rather let them let Machado walk and re-sign Soto and put Tatis at third. You've got your shortstop of the future already. Let Tatis play third base. He's an infielder. Like, you want to talk about a liability, we don't know what Tatis is going to be. He wasn't a great shortstop defensively, but he's going to a position we've never seen him play before. So, But he can't be worse that, than Soto. Uh, he could be. There were a couple guys in Chicago last year that were worse than Juan Soto. Yeah, but uh, Fernando Tatis is an exponentially better athlete than Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, he's a good athlete. I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be bad. I don't know. I just think from the onset of like just looking at it from the outside in, I think it's easier to plug a guy. I think it's easier to plug Fernando Tatis back into like a third base and have Fernando Tatis and Xander Bogarts. But here's the other thing I'll say about Juan Soto is that I think if you're a team now, you've you've got to – if you want to make a push, so like I mean, let's just say like we're calling out San Francisco Giants here. I think if you're the Giants – you have to go get Shohei and Juan Soto. Like whoever gets one has to get the other with these teams that are being put together. It's almost like Dwayne Wade, uh, Chris Bosh and LeBron James, right? Like we've got, you're seeing this all over the country. Uh, All these teams are doing this. Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman getting put together. 
you know, Aaron Judge in, in New York is going to get whoever the heck he wants to bring up. He's got the pitching staff. He's right? got Colin Rodon. Yeah. Like everybody's you know, got, got multiple got, big stars. Trey Turner now and Bryce Harper. Like that's a combination. I think you're going to have to do it. And I'll tell you this, like it, the New York Mets could go get one of those guys. And if nothing else, you're doing it to block somebody else. Like the New York Mets go get Juan Soto. Are you kidding me? Come on. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. It's it's interesting. I do think that that'll be an interesting thing to watch, though, is that that would be my, like, vote. If I'm a team and I'm going to go for Juan Soto, I am going for Soto and Shohei, and I'm building around those two. The question mark being a team has already tried to build around Shohei and a really talented outfielder, and it didn't work. They've tried to build around Shohei and one of the greatest players of all time already, and it didn't work. Right. So, like... That's the difference between baseball and everything else. Totally absolutely the difference is that you you know i think you see it all the time like you plug a above average football player into the right system he becomes a superstar and, and leads your team to an, an nfl championship it yeah. doesn't happen yeah. in baseball you put lebron james on a court he he changes the entire team yeah um putting shohei in a lineup is going to help you exponentially but you need more you're gonna yeah. need more but you're gonna be able to do it i think you know Especially, I think the last thing I'll I'll say is like we can we can talk about this on the next episode. But all the stuff with the TV deals, um, I don't think people need to be scared by it. I think it's going to be really cool. I think it's going to be better for fans potentially, like being able to watch all these games on one spot. Yeah. And I think that baseball is going to be able to continue paying their teams very well, very handily to to get these deals. And I don't think it's going to take away from any of their payroll limitations. So. Um, you know, I, I, I think that like, that's probably what you're going to hear is that, oh, well, we're losing this and all, you know, the all TV the money. Yeah. You're not losing TV money, man. You're I mean, gonna somebody's going to, whether it's like Apple TV or prime, they're going to swipe, swipe or they're going to fly in, swing in and make a bid for like several billion dollars and everybody's going to be fine. Exactly. And the teams that war didn't have great deals prior are going to have better deals now. So there's going to be money to be spent. Uh, like I said, I would like to see Shohei and, and Juan Soto on the same on the same team. I think that's a great combination um, of, of two left-handed power bats with obviously one of the best arms in baseball. And you throw a right-handed hitter in there, like you throw a good right-handed hitter in there, it doesn't have to be great. Like what if, because uh, I think one question, I think the biggest question in New York is going to be, are they going to re-sign Pete Alonso? And if they don't re-sign Pete Alonso, like, Put him in a lineup with Juan Soto and, and Shohei. I think they're going to re-sign Pete Alonso. Really? Yeah, I do. I mean, he I, feels like a Met, man. He feels like a Met for life. Uh, he, he, for, he certainly does. He fits the profile. And look, man, we've talked about it, but it takes a special individual to do what he does in New York. New York is a different is a different cat, man. And like, you live there. Just living there is different. Going to school there is different. Like, it's it's different. And And to be able to do it in that market... It, it, it says something real quick aside before we end Pete Alonzo, I think is if not the one of the most underrated players in baseball, who do you, you think is the most underrated player in baseball? I think it might be Alonzo. Um, I, I would have to rack my brain. Um, but I mean, Alonzo is like, you look at his 162 game average, 45 homers, 120 driven in. Yeah, I mean it's 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 really really good. I'll tell you a guy and like he's at the forefront this year because of last year, but I think before last year a lot Wasn't of it? people no was was Arenado. 
think a lot yeah. of people were really sleeping on Nolan Arenado. And yeah. um, I, 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 it was cause he played in Colorado, right? Like, but then he left Colorado and he's still doing it. Dude. He's a hall of famer. One of my, one of my favorite stats of all time is Nolan Arenado has never played a season in the big leagues in which he didn't win a gold glove. That's insane. With Manny Machado in the same division. That's so, insane. You know, and now that's another guy though. You talk about another guy, Manny Machado up until same thing. Like now Manny Machado is not underrated. I think up until a year or two ago, maybe, but yeah, right. I honestly, I'm going to say Arenado. I really think he's always been one of my favorite guys. Paul Goldschmidt has put himself at the forefront already. Yeah. So I, I will go with Nolan, Pete Alonso. I think Machado is a great answer. I also think Jose Altuve is a really good answer. I think Altuve gets a lot of hate, but Altuve is on the hall of fame. path. What about Jose Ramirez? Uh, J Ram J Ram is so underrated that I think he's probably rated now. Okay. Because, because everybody says he's the most underrated player in baseball. He's the shoe in answer. And like when everybody says he's he's like a redheaded stepchild. Yes, exactly. You know, like he, everybody knows how good he is. He just isn't quite Mike Trout or Mookie Betts. Correct. And that's the issue that now it's getting closer, right? Like the issue in baseball for me was always like Mike Trout was up here Mookie Betts was really close, but then after those two, there was a pretty big jump to get to the next, and now it's not like that anymore. No, it's no, not. there's there's bunching at the top, big time. Yeah. So, All right, man, this was good. We're talking to uh, Jared Eikhoff on Friday, yeah? Love it. Love it. That's going to be great. Every link you need in the show notes, and we will talk to you guys on Friday.